All right, friends, we're starting a new sermon series about generosity, all the ways as people of faith that we are called to be generous with what we have and who we are. And our first reading today is from 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, verses 8 through 11. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, it is always a privilege to be in this place worshiping together, and I give you deep thanks. And I would pray that all of the human things would fall away and that as your word is proclaimed, we would hear only you speaking your words of love and grace into our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, before I had kids, um, Brian and I, we at our home church, we were in two different Sunday school classes, and I was in a women's Sunday school class, and I loved it because there were women of all different ages. There were women with grown grandchildren, and there were women with babies, and then there was me who had no children. <laughs> um, and I remember once being in that room, and one of the mothers said, oh, you know, she had four daughters. She said, we've hit that adolescent time. And she was going on about how difficult it is. She said, you know, the, the emotions are like up and down all the time. I feel like they don't even, they aren't even reasonable anymore. I don't know what to do. And this older woman whose children were all adults, grandkids were adults. She said, well, I remember those days and I think because of all the hormones, they couldn't even help it. But I can tell you what helped me. And she said, I just decided at some point between the ages of 13 and 16, I was going to treat them like a beloved child of God with a terrible mental illness. <laughs> you get the idea, right? People with mental illness do not choose that. They are not in control of that. And so she said, I just tried to remember they were a beloved child of God with a terrible mental illness. That's also a good policy for how to treat your ministers. Um, but the idea there, right, is that love covers a multitude of sins, right? That love covers the difficulties. If we love someone enough, if we are committed to them, we tend to find a way to be more forgiving and loving. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about when he's writing to this early church, because they have this problem. They are, Peter says, suffering. They're really suffering. And the reason they are suffering is that they live in the middle of the Roman Empire. And everything the Roman Empire tells them is important, they have rejected in order to follow Jesus Christ. The Roman Empire says, you should recognize the emperor as a deity. And they say, no, we believe in the Lord God alone. 
The Roman Empire says, you should do the same things that everyone else does. And they say, no, we're going to take a Sabbath. We're going to worship together. And I don't think we can understand, because we live in such an individualistic society, I don't think we can understand how hard that must have been for them. We are told that in many cases their own family would shun them. The people who had loved and cared for them would no longer have anything to do with them because they were followers of Jesus Christ. And so they are struggling and they feel lost. And you know, so many times in actually the Bible and in our conversations, we say you should follow God's will and then never help people figure out what that is. And that's, Peter says, I'm going to tell you what you should do. You're suffering. You need to focus on loving each other more. Peter says you should have constant love for one another. You should work on forgiving and caring for one another. That this is the answer to the fact that they feel such outsiders in their community that they're going to work on loving each other within their own community now. And he tells them that the reason they're going to do that is because they remember that they are a people who have received the manifold grace of God. Christians are a people who have been given more than they deserve. We've been offered grace, which actually just means an undeserved gift that has freely been given to us. If you remember nothing else of this sermon, I hope you remember that as Christians, we should walk through the world and remember every day that we have been given more than we deserved. And so because of that, Peter says, because you know how much you've been given, I want you to share it with each other. You've been given God's love. Now you have all this love to lavish on other people. You have been forgiven. I hope you lavish your forgiveness on others. And then Peter says this really interesting thing, which is that this little church actually has an opportunity to be a special witness to the Roman Empire around it. The Roman Empire that values so many other things should be able to look at that little church and say, huh, they're really good at caring for each other. They should be a special witness so that the world around them is changed. And that's also what we are called to. You want to know what the grace of God is? We have to love one another in our communities of faith. Constant love, easy. No, it's not a feeling, it's a practice. And we try over and over again, and we can only do it when we think about all that we have been freely given. And we can only do it when we also realize that the Holy Spirit is with us, working through us, helping us to love where it is very difficult. I find that in the church community, nine times out of ten, it is easy to love and care. But it's that one time out of ten where I struggle that's also where I grow. And you know, we live in a culture that may not be like the Roman Empire, but let me tell you, there is so much divisiveness in our culture today that we too are special witnesses People should be able to look at the church and say, wow, that's a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, and yet they love each other. That's our special witness to the world. That's what we're called to do. And so just as that little church was called to be a witness, we are too.
And I was thinking about that idea of love this week. I feel like most of you have already seen this, but I'm not going to let that stop me. Earlier this week, sports reporter Ernie Johnson, they released a clip of him speaking to the Alabama football team. And so in that clip, Ernie Johnson talks in part about his children whom he adopted. He and his wife had two biological children. They later adopted four others. But the first one he adopted was when there was the crisis in the Eastern Bloc countries of so many orphans who weren't being cared for. And so his wife went to Romania and she meets this little boy and the caretaker hands her the little boy and says, you don't want this one. He's no good. And that's who they took home and made their son. And he has muscular dystrophy. And so everything this kid does is hard. It's hard to hold his body up. It's hard to speak. He didn't speak until he was eight. And the first sentence he said was, love you too, right? That's a kid who had so much love poured into him that his first sentence at eight is love you too. He was asked to be a part of his basketball team. He's in a wheelchair, not because he's good at basketball, but because he's good at loving other people. And the coach wanted his team to learn that. Y'all, this isn't new. Ernie Johnson is a faithful Christian. These are Christian principles. Love has been poured into you by the grace of Jesus Christ, whether you have known it or not. Over and over again, love has been poured into all of humanity. And so our response should always be love you too. And we should live it out in this room, caring for one another, constantly loving. You know, the question we get a lot of times when we talk about this kind of radical love is, yes, but what about when people are wrong? Shouldn't we correct them? And for that, I give you this passage from Matthew, where Jesus says, there will be times when someone sins against you, when there's conflict in the church, and the first thing you should do is just go and talk to them. And if that doesn't work, get two other people from the church to go and talk to them. And if that doesn't work, get the church together. Now, Jesus is not lining up witnesses to prove his case. Jesus is bringing more and more people in to love. To love the person who's been sinned against and might be wrong. And to love the person who has done the sinning. And then Jesus says, when nothing works... I want you to treat them like a taxpayer or a Gentile, which I can only guess means invite them to dinner. Because isn't that what Jesus does over and over in the Gospels? Gentiles, come on in. Tax collectors, let's have dinner together. I feel like this is like some first century humor on Jesus's part. Of course, there will be conflict. Of course, we try to reconcile with each other through love. And when that doesn't work, guess what? You love them again. The church can offer a special witness. And I cannot think of a time in a very long time that that witness is more needed than it is today. And I cannot think of any people that I trust more to carry out that witness of love and care into the world. Even if sometimes we have to treat each other like a beloved child with a terrible mental illness. Thanks be to God and amen.